When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hey, with us today and a couple of times every month, we have athleticgreens.com slash surf. But there's one thing that I've never once mentioned on air about their great product, Scott. Yes. What is that? Surprise. 60-day money-back guarantee. Oh, that's, yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, the beauty of that is that you'll never use it because Athletic Greens is simply awesome. That's a great point. But it is reassuring. Is Tommy Boy... Once, as uh, the great Chris Farley once stated famously in Tommy Boy, the film, um, a guarantee is important. It's a sense of reassurance for the consumer. <laughs> nice Tommy Boy reference. Where did you pull that? From my uh, fifth, the recesses of my 15-year-old brain. Very well done. Thank you. I can't recite the exact quote, but it's a, it's a hilarious scene. You can find it on YouTube. But in the meantime, or while you're there, click over to athleticgreens.com slash surf and get yourself some AG1. Um, we rave about it, but if you use our portal, not only will you find optimal health, you'll get five free travel packs, which is what I'm holding here. Yeah, I saw you holding those travel packs and uh, I'll be traveling to Nicaragua soon and I've got my travel packs all stashed and ready to go. Can you say what part of the country you're headed to? The Pacific Coast. Fair enough. Yeah. AG1, baby. AG1, baby. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. And then, of course, we also have uh, waterwaystravel.com with us today. And, um, man, what can't you say about Waterways Travel? They're the premier surf concierge. Anything you need to know about surf travel anywhere in the world, not only can they get you there, but they can kind of um, explain which boards to bring, how many boards to bring, what time of year what to expect from the conditions, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, super important and actually more than important, crucial. And, uh, totally. you know, look, we're coming up on the new year here about two months away. And what are the chances that Scott and David take a listener surf trip? Okay. Um, the chances have never been better. I am ready. I am raring to go. Yeah. Yeah, so me too, but we need to, I've, you and I both have busy schedules. Um, I'm actually going to Indo in June, but so anytime. Early, earlier in the year would be better. The first quarter would be ideal. Yeah, um, first quarter, kind of tough for me, like mid-April would be good. Okay, Q2. Beginning of Q2. <laughs> I've never said that. <laughs> I've never referenced the year with Q1 or Q2 in my life. All right. Well, let's start. Um, okay. I love this. Let's put it together with waterways. Where would we go for Q2? Somewhere close. That's what I'm thinking. Central America. Can we do yeah. that? Yeah. Let's just go to Costa Rica. Easy peasy. Yeah. All right. We'll make it happen. Thank you. Waterwaystravel.com. Uh, if you want to go anywhere in between now and then, or even after map, if you're mapping for, you know, Fiji, something like that. You want to map that out. Um, yeah. Waterwaystravel.com will get you there. 
what would that look like? Would that look like you and me and and six listeners on a spit podcast? It's a waterways travel surf trip. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> uh, I had not thought of it until you just asked me that, but I realized we have more than six people who will want to come. So yeah. maybe you and I go for two weeks, maybe three weeks, and listeners come in five day batches. <laughs> That's uh, that's ch- that's taking a big chunk there. You're, you've bitten off quite a quite a bit of time, maybe okay. too much time for me. But um, well, I want to accommodate as many people as we possibly can. This has really uh, been long overdue for years, but we don't want to bring thirty people down to a no. surf spot. No, 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 we do not. Six people sounds about right. <laughs> What if we camp out somewhere in Hawaii? Oh, camping. Okay, no okay, camping. okay, okay, okay. No we'll come back to this idea later, but we need waterways travel. <laughs> yeah, waterwaystravel.com. Thank you very much. Okay. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Hey, yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, to the guy, yeah, got Welcome, everybody. It's Spit. It's the Spit Podcast. It's David Lee Scales and Scott Bassman. We're talking surf with you on November 2nd, the year 2022. And time is flying by, David. Good morning. It really is. What do we do? How do we put a stop to this? Especially this past year, having a kid, time is just hyperspeed. Yeah, no, dude. It's, it's going to go. It goes quick, man. A mentor of mine once said, Scott, slow down and get stuff done. And I think that's great, great advice. Okay. Okay. I mean, I feel like I am, I am getting things done, but it just, it still just flies. There's, and people are like, oh, you know, just appreciate the little moments. I do every single. What was the last little moment? What was the last little moment? Uh, I wake up with Austin. Whenever he wakes up at night, I wake up with him. I have no qualms about it because I do appreciate the fact that we can snuggle you know like he's not going to want to snuggle at a certain age i take him to get coffee every single morning so that's 6 30 in the morning or so he and i are out doing that there's a pet groomer next door to the coffee place and part of why he likes to go is they have pictures of dogs on the window so he wants to go point at each of them touch the window you know so those are among the few that we have daily right okay well morning walk after that Little moments. Well, good for yeah. you. But the time still us. flies. That's the thing. It's just crazy how quick it goes. All right. Now, how old is your son now? He just turned one four You're days kidding. ago. You're kidding. Yeah. No way. Yes. That's, I was going to say four months. I know. He's one year old. And on his, for his birthday this weekend, um, we put together like, you know, a little photo collage of one photo from every month. So 12 photos. And it's like, that's a different kid at month four than he was, than he is now, but even at month five and month six. And I remember that kid and that kid could sleep on my chest. He can't sleep on my chest anymore. All of this stuff. It's just like, got to have another one just to, just to relive it. Is, uh, let me ask you this. This is probably the most crucial question. I believe I've asked this question, but I'll ask it again. 
Does Austin partake of the no shampoo in the hair? Great question. It came up this week on Instagram. No, uh, Lauren shampoos his hair against my, against my advice. All right. All right. Well, we'll just leave that there then. We won't dig any deeper. That's well, somebody, the reason why somebody sent me um, some article that was published about, I guess there's something called dry shampoo. If you don't want to wet shampoo your hair, there's a dry shampoo. And some article just came out that there's cancer causing agents in dry shampoo, <laughs> which I don't use any type of shampoo. So I'm not worried about it, but um, yeah, that's why it came up again this week. Oh. Whatever. At any rate, I've got one topic that I want to lead off our show with. And that is that art brewer needs your help. He needs my help. He needs your help. He needs our listeners help. Have you seen this? I, I do know that he was in some trouble and I see that it's on stab somewhere and I haven't read it yet. So Art um, is an iconic surf photographer. We can get to that in a moment, but basically straight from the GoFundMe page says that Art's been recently experiencing life-threatening medical issues that have become a substantial financial burden and, the, uh, and stressor on his family. So they've organized this fundraiser to help pay for medical bills and ongoing care. He was hospitalized in July of 2022. Fortunately, he did receive a liver transplant at UCLA in September. So he was there for a few months before he got the transplant. But throughout his treatment, he has undergone 10 surgeries and he remains in the ICU. Um, he's had a lot of infections and setbacks, but he is healing. He is on the road to recovery. They have an amazing hospital staff. Friends and family are spending tons of time with him. His mom, or I'm sorry, his wife drives from Dana Point to LA to be with him every single day, but they received the first bill for his stay and it was $250,000 and they have insurance. So who knows how much insurance paid, but what they are responsible for, the Brewer family is a quarter of a million bucks. Yeah, you know, um, seems like a good time to cut Medicare. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the system's fully broken, right? I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's definitely broken. The answer is yes, it's broken. And to, to think that I have the answers would be silly, but um, I know it costs more for healthcare here than most countries. And uh, something's, something's awry, something's amiss. I don't know what it is, but it just yeah. doesn't seem it's, right. You shouldn't, you shouldn't go broke. Your life, sh you shouldn't go broke because of health issues. And we're talking people who are financially solvent, they, good earners for decades and decades, and they still can go broke really quickly off um, totally treatable things, you know? Yeah. So I agree with you, but the system is, uh, it's a way more complex issue than you and I can possibly solve or even understand. Yes. And it's a political issue, which you and I have no interest in getting involved in on a surf podcast, You're right. but, but Art Brewer does need our help. And, um, there's a GoFundMe setup. It's just gofundme.com slash F slash Art Brewer. And um, yeah, if you can contribute anything at all, he has contributed immensely to our lives and to the surfing world. So consider it. What is that GoFundMe? Should I just go to GoFundMe and search for him? Yeah, you could or gofundme.com slash F slash Art Brewer. 
All right, let me see if, as we do this, if I can't send some money, because Art is a friend and a co-worker. I worked with Art at Surfer Magazine for many years, and um, he uh, a big part of our culture. They've received um, about $43,000. The goal is $150,000. So not even the full bill is what they're trying to cover, just $150K, um, and they're about halfway there. You said art's a friend. What What's your experience with art? Do you have any stories? Uh, well, look, a friend might be a stretch, but we were acquaintances at Surfer Magazine and we were friendly acquaintances. But I mean, um, I just, you know, art was pretty gnarly. You know, art was pretty gnarly as a surf photographer. He sort of was like, from what I remember, he was kind of like the head honcho and then Divine and Survey and all the other guys kind of followed Art's lead because Art knew how to go into a meeting and kind of put his hand down on the table and go, damn it, we're doing it. You know, like he kind of, he was kind of like the big kahuna, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, I, I would, again, I was always uh, extremely respectful and still am and extremely grateful for what he did for, he just, you know, he just, he was a no bullshit guy, you know, basically. And he still is, you know, and that's what I remember fondly about art was that he just, he wouldn't take any bullshit. Well, I have a feeling he might've been that way partially because by that time he had already been in the business for 25, maybe 30 years and had worked with everybody who was anybody and was responsible for, um, creating some of the most iconic imagery during that time for the surf world. So yeah, if he's going to come in there and tell you how to do it and who's going on the trip and where they're going, he probably knows. Yeah, there's there's definitely better people to to sort of talk about art than myself. Um, and it'd be fun to get those guys involved somehow or somebody, you know, again, I mentioned Survey and, and Divine and Builderback and Gilly, Rob Gilly, those guys and Jason Murray, those guys. And Evan Slater, those guys had more of a day-to-day -day, uh, rela <clears throat> relationship with art than I did. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny hearing you say those names. It makes me, I, I wonder what they're doing now, you know, like um, they're the top of the top, the cream of the crop in terms of surf photography. And because surf photography and the landscape for making money off of surf photos has changed so much. I'm curious what those guys are all doing now. Yeah. You know, I think Jason Murray, I think works, lives up in Oregon, maybe and works last. I heard he worked for Nike. Okay, good. Jeff Devine is retired. I, I do. Uh, I'm in, I communicate a lot with his son, Taylor, who's a good friend of mine. And uh, Tom survey. I don't know what Tom's doing. Probably playing a lot of golf and tennis. And Rob Gilly, I haven't seen Rob in a long time. I don't know. I used to see Rob in the water a lot, but I haven't seen Rob around. In, in what about John Builderback? Builderback, I, last time I saw Builderback, I was in a hotel in Tahiti and just randomly ran into him. And he was shooting, uh, or no, he was, he was either kiting or shooting kiting or probably both. But he was big into kiting. Interesting. Very good. Um, also, following up from last week, I kind of lambasted um, the No Contest series, uh, the episodic 
uh, series that Red Bull is doing with Stab Magazine. And I talked about the Fiji episode and the Italy episode. The day after I watched the New York episode, the New York episode was excellent. So I'm not taking back what I said about those other two, but I will say, if you want to check out the series, the New York episode was really good. I have a hard time finding it on Stab. It's not something that they're, or maybe I'm just an old guy who can't function on a, on a website, but I found no, you're right. I've had, I've had a hard time finding a couple of things on their website, but you can find it on YouTube. No contest. Oh, oh that's York. probably what it is. Okay. Yeah. It's probably only on YouTube, maybe. No, Stab, I'm sure Stab published them as well, but YouTube, no contest, New York. It's excellent. They're spending time with Ballerum. Uh, Ballerum's kind of showing them around, but they link up with um, our friend Tyler Brewer in New York City. Uh, they link up with the guys who run the Unsound Surf Shop and brought a bunch of contests and brought actually the CT to New York City. Um, so all sorts of great characters, all sorts of great context. Also, they do it in the wintertime when it's snowing. And they score great surf, but it really reminds me how fair weathered of a surfer I am. Like I have no, they're, they have epic surf and I have no interest in surfing it. <laughs> because it's cold? It's freaking frigid, dude. I yeah. mean, they gave the temperatures, but it is frigid. Yeah. I, I'm not one to do that either. But uh, hey, good news. I just, it's easy to donate to the GoFundMe page for our brewer. I just pulled Weird. it off. And uh, if I can do it while we're recording, anyone can do it. We heard the ping of proof in the yeah. background. Oh, the ping of proof. <laughs> so anyways. Yeah. Uh, so look, the no New contest. York episode. Yeah. No contest on YouTube. Probably easier to find on YouTube. I guess mm -hmm. Stab has a YouTube channel. Sure they do. Yeah. It might've been published on Red Bulls even. I, I have no idea, but you could find yeah. it just by searching it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. What? Um, yeah. Go ahead. Another, another quick thing that we need to touch on. Yeah. We are giving away a fireball fish on December 1st. That's right. December 1st is only 29, 28, 29 days away, my friend, 29 Dang. days. David, you've been doing such good work, such you're giving surfboards to the community, you know, like I'm thinking maybe Nobel peace prize for you. You know what I'm I saying? Mean, like, I, I love where you're going with this. I feel like I would love to take responsibility but part of this effort is to shine a light back on the board builder themselves. And so I'd have to split the prize probably with Dennis Jarvis in this scenario. Right. Well, you know, look, I just feel like it went, look, Nobel Peace Prize winners, they're sort of, you know, the, the spokesperson, the figurehead, the main person that's driving it all. And of course, there's many people below that person true, you true. Know, that, that help, you know. But you're really the figurehead, and frankly, um, the Nobel Peace Prize can only go to one guy. And it's, in this situation, it, it would be you. Okay, you know what? I'm convinced. I will take it. Okay. Um, this is a thank you to our supporters, podcast supporters. Um, we've got a donation platform or a subscription platform set up on SurfSplendorPodcast.com. If you want, you can contribute five bucks a month. It is kind of the foundation of our business. Uh, goes a long way towards the hard costs associated with archiving the work and everything else. And then as a thank you, we like to shine a light on board builders and then give away a surfboard to one of the subscribers and supporters. So any uh, amount of money that comes in in the month of November, the donor 
or supporter will be automatically entered to win this board. So if you have automatic donations be set up, you're already entered to win. But if you don't and you want to get in to win this, you have until the final minute of November Pacific Standard Time and you will be included. And then we will randomly select a winner on December 1st. And then, by the way, Dennis is going to custom make the fireball fish for you. Well, this is such a cool looking surfboard and it's got quite a history. Um, the bottom contours are kind of crazy. Um, I believe there's like a little step down right before yeah. the fins. Yeah. Uh, maybe talk to me and the listeners a little bit about this design. It's difficult to, to sort of um, verbalize, you know, a, any surfboard design, let alone one that uh, has a lot of uh, dynamism, if you will, to the, to the bottom design. So do, do your best to sort of shed some light here on Dennis Jarvis's fireball fish design. Will do. Um, so Dennis, I will have Dennis on the podcast later this month and we will discuss it in detail. Um, he, we're scheduled to do it. He's got all sorts of stuff going on as always. So it's got pushed back, but we'll, we'll probably release the episode mid month, but in short, it's a high performance shortboard. So that's the first thing to know. Uh, it is built for high performance. So if you're kind of getting older, riding mid lengths, all that sort of stuff, this may not be the board for <laughs> wait you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you saying? I'm saying, uh, you know okay. what I'm saying. I I'm saying not. exactly a, what all yeah. of our listeners can relate to. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, even though I fit that characterization, I still yes. want this board. I still want to hold it. I want it in my quiver. I want to pretend like I could ride it. Um, I probably wouldn't be able to, but there, what's distinct about it, in addition to just being a high-performance shortboard, is it's a channel bottom, but what's distinct about the channel bottom is that there's a step in it, like you mentioned. And it's actually designed, uh, in, the design is inspired by the step bottom speedboat. So there's a speedboat that has these channels in it and then kind of a step in it. Um, and so I'm just going to read from Dennis's own words here. He says the channel depth is pretty consistent at about three eighths of an inch, but the actual flex step sits where it sits. It actually goes deeper depending on, uh, how neat, how I need to feather it back to the back section. I believe this is the norm for all deep channeled boards to guide the water flow. You need to break the water into two directions, forcing the water to hold in a resistant manner, causing forward drive. However, when the water cascades over these channels at a slower rate of speed, it causes air bubbles that then creates lift, much like when you take your hand and you swish it underwater real quickly. Um, the flex step is placed right between the surfer's feet. This is done to increase the torque on the rail and give the board more or less tail rocker uh, and speed as the inertia moves along. Uh, the steepness of the wave causes this reaction to happen. It really helps in hollow surf, gives the board a lot of bite, but still has release and it snaps back into position. Think of Ben Ipa and Larry Bertelman in the 70s. The sting had a flex step and it creates a cavitation between your feet. Okay, well, there's a lot to chew on there and uh, probably too much to sort of try to dissect, but I will say this, that um, of course, Dennis is correct. Ben Ipa was heavily influenced. The sting design was influenced by 
these um, world-class, you know, hydroplane boats that um, that Ben watched. Ben was into it, and um, that's sort of some of this uh, technological breakdown is comes from this step-bottom uh, hydroplane boat. I'm wondering. I'll ask Dennis this, but I've only seen him implement this bottom in high-performance shortboards. Uh, I'm wondering if you could apply it to, let's say, a mid-length or a longboard. I mean, why not? Why not try something different? You know what I mean? Like, I say yes. He's, My answer is yeah, yes, yeah. you can. I mean, I guess he said it goes between your two feet. That's important. And if you're on a longer board, you're shifting your feet, shuffling your feet. Yeah. Maybe. That's we'll the see. beauty of the mid-length is that you're all over the board. You get to move in the middle, back in the tail. Yeah. All right. Well, more to come from Dennis about this. Uh, cool, we'll be doing cool a deep board. dive throughout the month, but it is a cool board. It's a really sexy looking board. Um, and I told Dennis, I'm like, Hey, we could just let the winner pick one, you know, stock dimensions off the rack. And he's like, Nope, I want to custom make it for him. I want to talk to them. I want to build it for him. He goes, these things take multiple hours to shape. It's a labor of love, but I'm passionate about it and I want to do it. So the, uh, listener, who wins this can look forward to all that is Dennis Jarvis uh, spending time with him to get this custom built. Well, that's pretty cool. A custom built Dennis Jarvis fireball fish. One of the cooler names for a board too, fireball fish. Absolutely. Um, you have anything in your notes or should I? Uh... Well, I watched um, Stab High, the first edition in Indonesia yeah, there at Lakey Peak. Too. Uh, I did not get to How Surfers Get Paid, Episode 3, which you and I spoke about last week, but I want to see yeah. that. And, so stab um, high. And then I've got a bunch of surfboards on on order or being delivered, personal boards that I'm excited about that um, at the risk of sounding like a uh, look at me, um, I thought maybe <clears throat> we could talk about those. We should because people always ask actually, uh, for more surfboard talk about what we're writing. So that's perfect. But let's talk about Stab High. What'd you think of it? I thought it was really cool. I was super stoked on the young Australian kid. Is it Noah Hill or is it Eli? I kind of forgot. Eli. 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 Yeah. Noah that Hill is, is also an athlete. He's from Maui. He splits his time between Maui and California, but uh, goofy footer. Eli, who you're thinking of is a regular footer. So it was pretty cool, right? He, he, he got called up as sort of a replacement for somebody that had to bow out for some reason. And he absolutely took the bull by the horns and uh, took his opportunity and made the most of it. And just look, all of the guys were ripping. First of all, say what you, maybe, maybe you could like, you know, shoot holes in the format or, which I don't really think you can, but what I'm trying to get at is this episode, like all um, stab highs, this one really seems to be pushing the limits. Like, I don't know, the pool thing's cool, but it's neat that it's at an onshore wave that's, that's pretty much the same every time. And, uh, you know, you're out in the ocean and we're seeing some incredible aerials. And this kid, Eli, um, um, you know, right there at the top of the heat. You nailed it. I think this is the best version of Stab High that they've done yet. Um, we've seen this lots of times with the things that they do that the, they improve upon them with each yeah. version, you know, and this is the best version because they've taken feedback, I'm sure for how to structure the event and the judging, but specifically for the reason you stated Lakey peak, it is the best venue. 
like the wave pool thing, it was worth trying, you know, in competition. We've seen its kind of value, but we've also seen its limitations. They did Costa Rica last year. Costa Rica was, it was decent, but it's a bunch of different beach breaks. There's surfers in the lineup. Some are over there, some are over there. The cameraman's trying to track everybody. Lakey Peak is the best possible venue I that I could I, think of. I know. I was it, just saying, how do they do it? Like, I was just thinking they should probably do it here next year. Same spot. I know. I don't know if they could beat it because it's predictable. It's consistent. Um, it has judging a ramp. tower. The judging tower makes for really convenient angles. They can get all the angles they want to get. It's all right on the same kind of spot. Um, but it was not small. I mean, we've only, again, they're doing this in episodes. We've only seen episode one and it was, um, when they chose to run the event, it was on shore side, side shore. So good for doing airs, but it was not small. It was double overhead. So the sections that they're hitting were treacherous. And I feel like if this was a free surf, people would not be going for massive airs out there. They'd be a little bit more tentative, but because the money's on the line, the event is on people are going for it. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's fun to watch. And again, you know, you, I don't know for, for whatever reason, when I first go into like a round one of an event, I'm like, I guess it's just my brain, but I'm like, all right, they're just going to kind of take it easy here and really kind of pull out all the stops at the end here in quarterfinal number, you know, whatever. But in round one, because the winner, the, the, the biggest, most crazy air in round one goes immediately to the finals. So that, what a great format. So you're, you're seeing like nonstop intense aerials, all sorts of varieties of which, by the way, I'm not an expert. I know, uh, me neither. But, but I know good surfing when I see it. I know exciting surfing and I, and I know high performance, pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits surfing. And that's what we're getting here and what we got out of episode one. Um, the another thing that Stab deserves kudos for is introducing you and I to new surfers uh, from around the world. And Eli is a great example. I think he's a 13 year old Grom. Um, I'd never heard his name before. And a bunch of the other ones too, like two of the guys who were in this event, I had uh, one of them, uh, Robbie McCormick is from Florida. He was in Stab High Costa Rica. And the other guy, the Baja Koala, I forget his actual name, but he's yeah. from Baja. Uh, he was also in Costa Rica. I had never seen them before. I saw them in Costa Rica uh, in that event. I started following them on Instagram because of that. So I've kind of tracked them for the last year. Now they're back in this event and they're contenders. You know what I mean? Like there's so many great surfers around the world who don't necessarily have full sponsor backing and they aren't in our face every day. But Stab seems to do a good job of identifying these people and then including them you know, uh, because they're not run by the same editorial kind of framework that magazines were that just regurgitated the same people over and over. Stab's done a great job of um, diversifying, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's funny because I was thinking about the mindset at Surfer Magazine back in the day when you're like, okay, let's put together a trip. And you immediately thought, okay, who's the Billabong guy? Who's the Quicksilver guy? You know, maybe we'll throw in a guy from electric or what, you know, some D-level dude, you know. And um, it doesn't seem like those sort of um, shackles, if you will, are, are put upon the guys at Stab, the editorial staff that's to, that's putting this stuff together. They're much more thinking. We, we'd love to see a dark horse. Let's let's yeah. introduce somebody to these yeah. guys. You know, the last thing we want to see is more. I don't know. 
Dave Rostovich. <laughs> like, let's just, you know, like whoever's in the, you know, let's see some new guys, new blood, fresh blood. Yeah. Well, um, the other thought that I had on Eli is I think a huge asset that he has is that he's 13 and he doesn't know what uh, the yeah. limitations of his own, or he doesn't know the risk involved, you know, cause he hasn't probably sustained a major injury. Maybe when you're 13, you're more nimble and flexible and all that sort of stuff too. But you see the reckless abandon that he approaches sections with. And it's like, by the time you're 18, but certainly by the time you're kind of in your twenties, you realize that that's a knee breaker or an ankle breaker. And so you're a little bit more tentative, but that 13 year old creative rambunctiousness is epic. Yeah. It is like peak, like peak. I want to show off peak. I also don't have as much insecurity about not pulling it off. So I'm just going to go hard Yeah, and, and peak oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever in my life, which, oh, by the way, it is. You're 13 years old and Stab calls you and goes, dude, you're in Stab High, come to Lakey Peak. You're like frothing at like the, like you need like a froth scraper to scrape the froth off. You know what I mean? (laughs) Totally. Um, It's really epic to see. I think it's a distinct advantage. You know, a lot of the other guys have advantages in a million other ways, but that was one that I was just like, whoo, it's fresh. It's really refreshing. Yeah, it's fun to watch super fun to watch yeah i'm i'm really looking forward i think they're dropping these episodes weekly for the next like three or four weeks so um i think in two two days from now it also has a really cool sort of like um i guess real i don't know if it's cool but it has sort of a reality tv show like at the end when they all gather together and they determine who made the cut you know and people stand the surfer stands up and goes and writes his name and it's kind of got like a a little bit of like a reality TV thing, but you can tense, you can sense that everybody's engaged and really wants their name to be called. Like, you know, like, and is going to be disappointed if they aren't called, you know, and um, they might be wise to, to get a little bit of, if they could, if they could get some organic feedback from some of the surfers who didn't make it that are either disappointed in the way that the judging went down and are talking about it and verbalizing it or even better are like, I don't think that guy's that good. I can't believe he made it instead of me. Like that kind of thing. Now hard to script has to be organic because we'll see right through it if it isn't. But uh, you know, as an end producer, like, you know, me, I'm always trying to create conflict because it's good for the, it's good for you and I. Yeah. Um, I talked to Parker Coffin. I just released a podcast with him last week and he was at Stab High Costa Rica. And one of the things that he mentioned was it was uh, a really savvy way to create competition for surfing while not pitting people against one another. Like in all other surf and like in all other surf competitions, there seems to be something inherent in the structure of a contest that is almost anti the act of surfing itself. And you're not rooting for your buddy in the contest where you would be out in the lineup, you know, and you're hoping that they fall. So something about stab high structure made it so that everybody's rooting for one another. And in fact, if somebody does something gnarly, like Parker said, man, I'd see Matt Miola hit a section and I'd realize 
I got to level up. I got to hit that big section. And so it actually made Parker, you know, uh, try harder, made him a better version of himself. Yeah. It's super interesting because it sort of speaks to skateboard culture where you see guys skating and stuff's going down, even in the competitions. And if a kid or a skater does something incredible, all the other skaters immediately grab their skateboards and just start banging them. Like, dude, we are not worthy. Congratulations. That's insane. And there's, so there's not this, Oh, that guy's a dick. Can't believe he did that. You know, where right. it's just much more of um, what's the word I'm looking for, David. Inclusive. Let, inclusive, but yes, inclusive. Lethologica. Do you know what this word means? Lethologica. No clue. I may be wrong, but I believe lethologica is when you know there's a word you want to say and it's on the tip of your tongue, but you can't say it. Lethologica. L-E-T-H-O-G-I-C-A. Lethologica. The inability to remember a particular word or name. On the tip of your tongue. Yeah, the thing is, I'm going to have lethologica every time I try to think of the word lethologica. Yeah, it's a self... What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. That's what it is. That was a phrase. Totally. Yeah. Totally. By the That's way, do you play Wordle? Word. No. no. You don't do Wordle? Nope. Next. Okay, stab high. Good stuff. Um, you know what I do play? Spelling bee. No, it's a game my mom invented. <laughs> Pick up your uh, trash. Do the no, laundry. she she literally, I might have told you this um because it's been going on for years, but she sends myself and my brothers in a group text message every single morning. Yeah, she sends us those. the word of the day, but it's not as simple as that. Um the word is always the first letter of the word is always the same as the first letter of the day of the week. So she can only use M T S F and W. So she's really limited in what words she can use, but I'll just show you. Let me see. I mean, what was today's when today's was withering Wednesday, which you would think she would have used withering by now, but no, uh, titivating Tuesday manure Monday, Sepul sepulcher Sunday, sorcery Saturday, festooned Friday, tantalizing Thursday, wary Wednesday, Thernody Tuesday last week, Meloriaism Monday. So, anyways, um, and it, like sometimes I'll come across a new word that hasn't starts with an S, and I'll send it to her, and she'll be like, "Oh, I use that one," you know. <laughs> In July 2017, I can't use it again. She never repeats a word for the rest of her life. Never repeats a word and then keeps them on a calendar. So if I send her one that she hasn't yet used, she'll go, oh, I can use this one in four weeks from now on a Saturday because I've got the next three and a half weeks booked and she writes them on a physical calendar. What about schwa? Has she ever used the word schwa? S-C-H-W-A. I'm going to write it down right now. What does it mean? It's the upside down E you always see in a dictionary. It denotes the sound similar to A, as in about or edible, pronounced schwa. Okay, perfect. I'll send that to her. Wow, look at that. So anyways, anyways, that's the word. That's the game I uh, never opted into that I play every single day. Yeah. But I'm grateful for it. I don't mean to. David, come on. You know where to go when you want all the hard goods that you need for an insane surf session. You go to Real Water Sports for your surfboards. You go to Real Water Sports for your fins. You go to Real Water Sports for your deck pad. You go to Real Water Sports for your board bag. 
You go to Real Water Sports for your leash, for your wax, for your sunscreen. You go to Real Water Sports for the good vibes. What don't they do? They also make surf films now or surf videos there. I mentioned last couple of weeks, them doing this under the glass series with Brett Barley. Um, they just released episode three, but it's the second board that he's read in. He's got the AJW classic fish. Yes. Um, Adam Warren. Yeah. AJ dubs. And is, that right? the, is it Adam Warren? Uh, Warden maybe. Hmm. I know. Yeah. We I'm know getting- Adam. Yeah, I know. I know AJW. I hope I'm getting his name right. <laughs> I think it's Warden. Yeah, we know Adam. Yeah. Um, but this is look, everybody needs a fish in their quiver. This is and Brett's riding it in sloppy kind of summertime East Coast surf. So ideal conditions for a fish. But um, again, whether or not you buy this exact fish, the insights clue you in to the virtues and the limitations of the design so that you know what a fish does, what kind of fish you want to start looking for to buy. If you want to buy this exact fish, they do have it on realwatersports.com, of course. It's one of their 1,500 boards in their inventory. So you can find plenty of other fish there as well. But it's just, I think these this series is a real asset and value to uh, surfboard consumers. Absolutely. You know what? Try try some boards, try a fish, try an AJW fish, try everything. And that's, that's the thing about surfboards. It's They're just fun. It's good, totally. fun, good, wholesome fun. Totally. So thanks, realwatersports.com. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Another thing that I found on Stab this past (laughs) week. (laughs) What? This show's turned into like a Stab weekly review. (laughs) Well, it's funny because they're creating the best content and Shukin called in to say that he bought gear, I don't know, three months ago off Florence Marine X. And then they sent him a promo code that was like, hey, you get one uh, month free with Stab Premium. Use this promo code and then you can, you know, uh, pay for the rest of the year if you want it, basically, but at least get one month free to see what Stab's doing. And Shukin said, you guys should get that free code. You guys should have a code and be directing people because you guys 
have actually turned me on to it. And now I watch stab premium because it is as good as you guys talk about. So shout out to stab, send us those promo codes. We'll get them out to our listeners. Yeah. Yes. Stab. Um, <laughs> well they did. So they did this piece with Taylor Steele called the best surfing I've ever witnessed. Did that you watch cool. this? Yeah, that was super cool. I love so, that. So his answer, Taylor Steele's answer was, Kelly Slater at Soup Bowl in Barbados in 2005. And this is footage that you and I are very familiar with. It ended up in a film called Sipping Jet Streams, uh, which I have. And I have the coffee table book at home for that as well. But this was an iconic session, uh, mainly because we had never seen Soup Bowl that big and perfect. Um, it was offshore for like five days straight. Uh Kelly was 33 years old at the time. Taylor does a phenomenal job unpacking those sessions and the context of what made it all so special. But essentially what he says was it was the pinnacle moment culmination of him working with Kelly for 20 years. They'd been filming together for that long. They had been to that exact location five times prior. This was their sixth trip and they had never caught it nearly as good as it was. And Taylor was actually in the Caribbean filming for a different project, Campaign 2. And he got the call from Slater, who was in Barbados. And Slater was like, you got to get here. Do whatever you can to get here. And Taylor had a six-month-old baby with him. Uh, they had to fly, I think he said, take six or five or six different planes, basically stopping on every little island in between in order to get to Barbados. They got there the day before the swell. So Day one was just kind of onshore, not good. And then for five days straight, it turned on. And uh, Kelly was at the peak of his kind of performance as well at 33 years old. And everything came together and it was just magical five days. And the footage speaks for itself. I mean, they show a bunch of the clips. Kelly does everything. Carving 360s, crazy barrels, crazy floater, free fall drops, crazy airs, blow fin. Like, it's just insane to see him at the height of his powers. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely must watch. Um, and, you know, T Taylor does such a good job of describing the whole situation as far as, you know, like you mentioned, they've been hunting that wave to get it on film for a long time. Like it all just kind of came together, as you said. And one of the things that stands out to me is what the Taylor said that Kelly was absolutely sort of toying with it, you know, like he had every drop of water and every turn and every momentous gnarly wedgy peak just sort of like under his spell, you know, and he was dancing. Taylor, uh, uh, Kelly was absolutely dancing with the wave and, and, and was at and as one with the wave, so to speak. It's really something to behold because yeah. you don't, you don't see it often. You see, um, great surfers, you know, like uh, let's say Felipe Toledo at lowers, he's shredding that wave, but it's not what you're talking about. You know, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's like Felipe. Tom Curran ask. It's, it's like Tom Curran at Jay Bay on that first. Yeah. Like, like he's just, it's, it's, it's almost ethereal. It's not, it's like almost on a spiritual level, how connected and in tune he is. It totally is it. So Felipe is exerting his will at lowers basically, but Kelly at Supol in that session, it was as if he knew what the wave was going to do before the wave was doing it. And so there's these kick stalls in places where people would be running, you know, and 
the one clip that I think they put on Instagram, Kelly sneaking in under the curtain on like a well over double head wave that was just like crazy thick, but chandeliering off the takeoff. And Kelly makes the drop and sneaks under the curtain, right under the lip into the chandeliering barrel. But had the lip hit him in the head, which by the way, it was only a centimeter away from doing, it would have it would have broken people's necks. Like it was that treacherous of a wave, but Kelly just sneaks right in perfectly. And then he's adjusting his line in the barrel, you know, and yeah, it's, it's a absolute poetry in motion. And the wave, even though it was perfect for soup bowl, the wave is not perfect. I mean, there's tons of chandeliers, there's crazy sections. It's not a perfectly peeling chopu kind of barrel you know a little Um, bit raw right it's got some rawness to it which completely speaks to his you know toying with it and having it under his spell so to speak because it wasn't like you say like not a drop of water out of place it it had this you know sort of dynamic to it that made it even much more difficult and um it's as if it's as if kelly like went to cuba and got some mystical woman that was cooking some pot and got some chicken bones and dripped blood on it with chicken feathers and said some prayer. And, and he got the mojo, man. And then he flew to Barbados and just used the spell to his power. Wow. Yes. Um, I was in Cuba and I saw somebody kill a chicken. We were, we'd gone to dinner, went down to the water, just like walking on this promenade. And there's a couple of fishermen out there on the rocks. And then we see this person this woman carry a chicken down to the rocks we're like what is she doing freaking killed the chicken on the rocks we were tripping uh, <laughs> and she did she did some sort of a little ceremony ritual with it we're like yes do we Drip, contact yeah no yeah. this is do all... I contact an authority like what is happening here we were tripping out she is the authority <laughs> yeah i guess so um anyways yeah agree with everything that you said about kelly and Taylor took half as much time as you and I just took and explained it 10 times better than you and I did. (laughs) So it's definitely worth going back and not only hearing him, but watching the footage. One thing that he did say about Kelly, and I'll ask your general thoughts on it. He said, um, Kelly was the most present I had ever seen him in his life. And I I thought that was interesting. I'll tell you why, because when he says that Kelly's on the phone, like he's not even present (laughs) in the room. Like there's a group of people and Kelly's not there. He's like on the phone, like talking to his manager or something. They probably used the wrong clip to highlight that. Yeah, Yeah, I did. I did. But I think that's, I think that lends itself. That was a astute insight uh, from Taylor. And that exactly is why Kelly was performing at his peak. Yeah. it's hard to be present, you know, in any phase of your life, you're kind of constantly, I don't know, thinking about things you would have done differently in the past, thinking about what's to do later today and tomorrow and next week and your goals and all that sort of stuff. So it's really tough to be present, but as it relates to surfing, that's the only way to perform. You have to be present, you know? And I will say this too, that, that that's what the beauty of surfing is, is that when you and I are surfing and all of us that are listening to this now, when we surf and we're doing it well, we're present. We're completely present. We're not thinking about those things over there and those things. I'll give you, I'll tell you what, at one point, there's been a couple of times when I've taken LSD and gone surfing. 
and was just kind of like ego was removed and I was just on a little mission on a little LSD thing. This was, you know, 35 years ago. And I remember just like feeling as if, now I don't know if this is what it looked like, but I remember feeling as if I was completely tuned in and was surfing at the, the best I could ever surf. Really? Yeah. But again, See, who knows if I looked like, I might look like chicken Joe or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it answers the question that I was going to ask you actually, which is, uh, the question to Taylor was, what is the best surfing you've ever seen? But my question to you is going to be, do you even know when the best surfing, can you think of a session where you've done your best surfing? And it sounds like that might've been it. Yeah. I actually won a surf contest one time on LSD. Really? <laughs> yeah. But did I'm anybody not... else, did anybody else know, or did anybody else identify it? uh i'm sure some people knew yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't come in they had to bring the jersey out to me i wouldn't gotcha <laughs> gotcha because you were unaware that it was time to go in i was just having too much fun yeah well there's something to be said about that you know and i think look at that time um lsd you know access to it was uh you didn't know what you were, you didn't know how much dose you were going to get or whatever. You didn't know necessarily the source of it. I think now they're actually studying so much of that and doing yeah. experiments, confined experiments, controlled experiments and identifying strains and dosing and, yeah. um, and it's not all. just with LSD, but also with psilocybin. natural psilocybin mushrooms and that, and yeah. they're identifying a lot of what you're talking about, which is the elimination of ego, the elimination also or the shedding of a lot of past trauma, yeah. like kind of not that you're going to be removed from it from ever forever, but at least setting it aside temporarily. And when you're in this headspace, seeing the world through unfiltered eyes and experiencing some of the daily joys and stuff that you're not able to, because the trauma kind of creates a blockade, I think. Yeah. And so I think it lends itself to what you're talking about, actually. Yeah, there is a lot of interesting studies and a lot of stuff happening in Canada around these things that you talk about, LSD and psilocybin and post-traumatic stress disorder and how it's helping some people. And of course, these trials are ongoing. And, and of course, David and Scott, we don't, uh, and I speak in the third person here, we don't condone, we don't know. I'm just giving you my experience was, was one of, I felt very present. Yeah. Now, there have been many great surf sessions in my life where I felt present. And I, I just will say that the times that you come out of the barrel or the times that you finish a really good you know, maneuver, so to speak, are usually the times that you're not thinking about it. And usually when I'm right. like, oh, I better do this to get that done is because I was thinking about it. The, um, you know, it doesn't work out the way I would hope. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I don't condone nor vilify any of the things that we were just talking about, but I, when people do talk about their experiences with it, it is fascinating to me. And there seems to be then uh, baggage and negative things that are the result as well at times, but the positive things that are highlighted are really interesting to me. And, yeah, um, I agree. There's a lot of interesting stuff there for sure. Yeah. Um, let me say this though. Um, did you, do you know what today is? I don't. Today's November 2nd. 
Yeah. And sadly, this is the anniversary that Andy Irons, uh, the day that Andy Irons passed away. Oh November my gosh. 2nd. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I just randomly happened to pull it up because I was, I was Googling it. For, I was Googling Andy Irons. And then I just see here November 2nd in wow. Grape, Grapevine, Texas. Yep. In 2010. And, um, you know, with all the talk about drugs, you know, certainly they like anything in life too much of anything is um, usually not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Wow. Um, well, as it relates to the best surfing you've ever done, I think mine is still ahead of me. Nice. I, me too. I'm with you on that. And let's tell our wives that, you know what I mean? I really, (laughs) no, I really do. I, I, um, I think like my, my body's abilities were at their peak when I was in my twenties, probably early twenties, but my headspace was so wrong. Like if I, I don't have footage of myself from that time, but if I somehow had a time machine and I could go back and get footage of myself. In fact, I trust that Mark Zuckerberg is going to create that function and I'll somehow be able to have an app in five years from now, where I'll be able to pull up footage of myself from when I was 22, uh, that didn't exist until now, but I would have been wonky. I would have been missing sections. I would have been all style would have been terrible, you know, and I probably did pop the fins out. And so in my head, I recorded that and I'm like, oh gosh, that was so cool that I popped the fins out probably looked terrible and probably, um, would be embarrassing for me to see now. So I feel like my headspace and my awareness of all those things is a lot better now. Now, what I got to work on is getting my body nimble and strong. And so that's what I'm focused on for the next phase. And then hopefully everything can come back together. You know what? I, as I, as I listened to you and I thought about the best surfing I've ever done. Yeah. I did some pretty good surfing on my last trip to Selena Cruz, which was, um, I guess in this summer sometime in June or July. I got really good waves and I had a really good board and the water was warm and there was a lot of dancing going down. There was a lot of, I was going everywhere I wanted to go and doing all the things I wanted to do and doing it multiple times on multiple waves. Now, granted it was, you know, three to four foot soft little right sand bottom point waves, which is kind of like perfect for me. In fact, one of my friends said, Scott, you're really good at surfing small reforms. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wow, okay, I guess that's a compliment. Well, that's key too, is um, having access to good waves will expedite your performance levels. And so I'm, I'm surfing crappy beach breaks all the time. So I just don't feel like I could ever hit my Zenith. We'd have to be on a trip and it'd have to be, you know, day four. Costa Rica, you're going to surf your best Okay. in the year 2023 in like mid to late April in Costa Rica as our listeners, the lucky ones that get to go on the trip, we all watch and basically, you know, we'll bow down. Is that that Nobel Peace Prize winner? That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll look forward to that then. I better, yeah, I'm going to get nimble, nimble and strong before then and get my head. Most importantly, I want to be present. So I got to get my head space right. Exactly. Um, the funny thing is, as I was doing the exercise of trying to think of when was I surfing at my peak, I am overwhelmed by memories of woefully underperforming. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. the vast majority of like, not only individual sessions, but like phases of my surf life. I'm like, God, I really have been an underachiever. It's wild. It's all like relative to your perspective of what, you know, it's like I say all the time, look, we're just doing bottom turns. Like if that's the high water mark, I'm probably going to reach it, you know, more often than not a good bottom turn, just a good bottom turn. Well, among the photos that you uh, generated from that Selena Cruz trip that you were talking about, I remember the bottom turn. That's right. I had some great bottom turns. See, I do remember an epic yeah. bottom turn photo. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, hey, speaking of bottom turns, I was thinking, I mentioned Rostovich earlier and it got me thinking about the electric acid surfboard test. And we know you and I have brought up a bunch of names, but I think that Dave would be pretty good at that because he's a little bit older. He's a great communicator. He understands surfboard design. I think Dave Rostovich would be uh, a good candidate for STAB. Dave would be phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I'd put him right up there. Number two behind Kelly Slater. What does Dave do these days? Like, what, what, how, like, he's definitely off the radar. Like, I know he doesn't do Instagram. We have yeah. no idea what's going on with, and probably that's the way he wants it, which, you know, more power to him. So he and his wife, Lauren Hill, have a patch of land in Byron that they farm and live off of and surf right there. What else do you need? <laughs> wow. Okay. That's yeah. it. Okay, good for him. I know. They figured it out. <laughs> they did. Still figured out how to get all extract all the juice and have none of the uh none of the chaos and anxieties that yeah. we live with trying to trying to uh advance our stage in life. Yes, let's get rid of the chaos and get rid of the anxieties. That's uh crucial. Um that could be a t-shirt, a new spit t-shirt. It could be. Uh we're getting philosophical in our old age. Oh, man. One thing that's worth pointing out since we were talking about Mexico is that they were doused uh, in a oil spill to yeah. about a week ago. Yeah. Um, your buddy and Tom Curran's buddy down there posted on Instagram about it, showing kind of the oil uh, splashing up on the shoreline. It's an So Pemex is the company who had an oil spill in one of their rigs off the coast of Punta Canejo. And... Um, Clearly, it's an environmental disaster, as we know oil spills are for all of the biodiverse wildlife in that area. But specifically in this region, so much of the local economy operates around the ocean. So surf tourism is huge. Fishing is a major source of income for that community. So it's a complete disaster, not only for the environmental stuff that we're fully aware of, but also the people in the community, it's going to shut down their life, you know? Yeah. I, I'd like to get an update on, on how it's going down there. The last update I got was about three or four days ago. I think the very first day that it occurred. And I'd like to find out what's going on there. Um, you know, how thick, how bad are the beaches? How much oil is, I heard that there's oil at, at La Bamba. Mm. Um, I heard that there's dirty birds all the way up to Hualtuco which means that entire stretch is, you know, hopefully it's not decimated, but it sounds like it's um, on some level saturated with oil. And I hope that's not the case. I'd love to see some, ins get some new insight on this. Well, the cleanup efforts are projected to last up to six months. Oh God. Um, but I don't know that 
you know, oil companies, I mean, they give these projections, they say what they're going to do. I don't know how um, accurate any of them ever end up being, but I did read a comment in Stab's comment section from somebody that said, I was in, it was in Selena Cruz during this spill. We surfed the night of the spill and you could smell it in the air before it reached the beaches. We Ooh. thought that the breeze must have blown in the scent of petrol, but the next morning we awoke and the beaches were covered in oil. It was as it's shown in the videos, but what we saw sometimes was worse than I've seen in any of the videos. I hope that the fishermen and communities will be appropriately compensated. These people depend on the ocean to eat and to make a living. We all use petroleum products. And for me, it was a real eye-opening experience. So I'm hoping that someday we can entirely prevent these kinds of catastrophes. Wow, man, that is so gnarly because it's just, you're right. Everyone depends on the ocean down there. I mean, everyone. You can get rid of this little surf tourism thing, and it's still 99% of life down there depends on the ocean, a healthy, vibrant, robust ocean. Yeah, it's gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, what surfboards do you have coming? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just a quick segue into petroleum. Um, <laughs> I've got, I've got a, I've got a board called the Abalone from Kalu Coleta. Oh, really? Yeah. Is Kalu, speaking of Mexico, maybe. is Kalu living in Mexico? I don't. I think he's in Santa Cruz. The board oh, is in Santa okay. Cruz. Yeah. Okay. So Kalu's made me a board. Um, I just got a new Wayne Rich mid length, which is I'm a single fin, which is really light first of all it's probably dare i say it's six pounds it's like the lightest hmm. eight foot surfboard i've ever felt in my life wow and it, it's got some trippy stuff too it's got like some bottom contours and stuff that you would think wouldn't make it work and it's it works pretty damn good wow yeah pretty psyched on that and um i've got a new saber twin fit twin pin from ryan sakel 610 and um what am i missing i feel like there's one other board that's coming my way but anyway those three right now are exciting me the most what's the what is the design of the abalone the abalone is kind of a tweener board you know um it's it's a i think it's a four fin it might be a three fin but it's kind of it's kind of like it kind of looks like the B-Dog that I ride a lot of, uh, the Wayne Rich B-Dog, which is kind of like a, like I say, it's a tweener. You know, it's it's not like a traditional fish, but it's not a high-performance shortboard. It's somewhere in the middle. It's got a nice wide tail with kind of a square, round diamond type of vibe on the tail. Full and, you know, mid middle-aged paddle guy, you know, maybe two and five-eighths, but it keeps its volume. And um, is it? I haven't, Six I haven't, feet? I'm actually picking it up. Wingnut's bringing it down to me Saturday morning. So I is haven't it held it. Uh, yeah, smaller than six feet? No, it's it's six feet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, why are you ordering boards in batches nowadays? You know what? I was, I'm one of these guys that I'll be on Instagram and I'll see a board and I'm like, oh, that looks really killer. And that's what I did with Kalu. I'm like, Kalu, make me one of those. And he's like, no problem. Boom. And I sent him some money and sent me he's like board's done let's go sweet yeah so i just kind of like you know 
I got hooked at a time of weakness. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, I'd really like to ride one of the CI twin pins. Mm. And I said as much to Scott over there and to Devin. Um, but we'll see. No, they, <laughs> they haven't sent you one yet. <laughs> no, damn it. No, those guys are very generous to me. I, yeah, they are. I, by the way, I still have my, my two plus one mid length from CI, which I love, which I've been riding a lot of. I've been yeah. digging it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that'll keep stoke levels high. Uh, like that's getting new boards like that keeps you in the water, you know? Absolutely. And it also going into winter, you can justify it that way. Be like, look, these are going to get me through the next few months. Yeah. Everyone needs four <laughs> boards every two months. Exactly. Come on. Um, it's worth noting too, uh, neatessentialsusa.com has that sale going on on those thermal suits until Thursday. So uh, I guess just one more day. But if you listen to this by Thursday, November 3rd, uh, the code is thermal20. Thermal and the numbers two zero on the three twos and the four three thermals, and you get twenty percent off. So smoking deal. And by the way, the the North Shore of Oahu's, you know, it's funny. Like normally, you and I would be talking North Shore, like we'd be like, oh, Triple Crown, blah blah blah. You know, the North Shore has been good. It continues to be good. You know, relatively good. Like the North Shore season obviously starts like October first. Lani Akea has had early North swells running through it, solid six to ten feet. Um, I've seen great photos of Rocky Point. We're only a month away from the Pipeline Masters, the Vans Pipeline Masters. Um, there's events going on, I believe, at Sunset Beach that, that like the one that used to be the XL, the one that they have early in the season. It's an HPAC event, I think. HIC um, Pipeline Pro or HIC uh, did something it for a like while. That. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, but they have it every early season at Sunset, and it's again, it's like a QS. It's like a qualifying series event, I believe, although I haven't seen a whole lot about it from the WSL, which is pretty good about putting out press releases about stuff, but uh, yeah, maybe I'm off there. Yeah. The point is, well, is like we have, we have the North shore season here to focus on coming right down the, it's going to be, I mean, it's already here. And I think as far as eye candy, it's going to be showing up pretty quickly. Unless stab magazine makes a video series about it. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, although uh, my must-see moment is Sweet Adventure by Peter Hamblin, which I saw uh, probably two months ago, but Stab did just make it available on their premium through their paywall. So if you have premium, you can access it there, but it's a one hour long uh, surf film. I don't know if you've seen it or if you even remember Peter Hamblin, but this is the third surf film that he's made. He made one years ago called Let's Be Frank that profiled South African surfer Frank Solomon. And then he made one with Carissa Moore maybe two years ago just called Riss that went out on Red Bull's channels. Uh, but Peter Hamlin is the greatest cinematic filmmaker that the surf world has. I would argue he's... Uh, his ambitions are grander than the surf world. So you watch these films and it's like scripted. There's all this, um, not just acting. There is lots of acting, but just the setup for the shots and the way that he's shooting things is like a feature film. These are basically feature films that also include surfing. Uh, this film, I think let's be Frank is his opus. 
this film is a great film, but the surfing portion in it isn't as spectacular as maybe some other surf films. It is Albie Layer, Matt Miola, and Nora. I forget her last name, but she's a professional skater, world champion skater, uh, Albie Layer's girlfriend who goes on the trip with them. And they're, the whole thing is set in El Salvador. So limited in that way in, ter in terms of number of surfers and location, but it's a great film nevertheless. And, and it is my must-see moment. Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing that. I have seen it um, as I've cruised the internet. So yeah, let's check Good. that out. Sweet Adventure by Peter Hamblin. Good. Peter Peter Hamblin will be working in Hollywood in short order and his name will be known and you'll be watching his stuff on Netflix, I'm sure. And we will remember the time when he was making surf films. So go enjoy his films before he becomes too big for the surf world. Too big for the surf world. That's a good place to be. It's probably not that hard to be too big for the <laughs> surf world. <laughs> good point. All right. Well, look, um, David, we've said a lot. Uh, until next time, adios and aloha.
Let's go. 